0: checks export stuff that we built a year ago. But, you know, so what I've learned, I guess, to get to the point, is that it's really that never give up and it's kind of funny i never give up and and keep pushing forward because you'll get to the results long enough if you have a strong plan with great aerial map right and you know exactly i mean you you've built the map and you know where you're going with this you will get to it the second thing is that i've learned from training which i think is pretty valuable is the comfort level with uncertainty if you are uncomfortable
1: So I want to talk about some of the stuff from your background, but let's start with your current company. Tell us about
0: Set Schedule. Well, Set Schedule. I uh, thank you for for giving me the floor to talk about the company. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> we are basically Set Schedule is, is a technology company with the core focus in addressing problems and challenges in uh, in real estate, and we're kind of like tittering towards fintech as well. We have digital marketplace and different software products that revolve around the business development needs and the connection challenges between real estate consumers and real estate professionals, whether it's individual agents and teams. So that's kind of like was the starting point of the company. We established it and started around 2015, essentially, and introduced our first mobile application in April, 2018. And from there, we grew to being a tens of thousands of active users that are using the platform and hundreds of thousands of active real estate consumers that are connecting with our. Professional users.
1: That's great. So, walk us through an ideal user and what they're doing on the on
0: the platform. So, ultimately, as a company, we set our focus and sight on the professional users. So, the SMBs, the solopreneurs, the entrepreneurs, whether it's an individual licensed real estate agent or a team lead or brokerage, the the real estate pros are the ones that are essentially. Consuming the products and using the products. They are the users on the app, if you will. They're able to download the app from the Apple Store and the Android market. So it's a Freemium model app that basically provides them with multiple SAS products and digital technology. They use the 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 product, they consume it. And ultimately the core product inside our mobile application is called the referral radar. And that's where it gets exciting. The referral radar is actually an agnostic marketplace of leads and data that aggregates all the leads and the data from our uh, partners, partners such as Zillow and uh, realtor.com and homes.com and others. And basically the average user, whether it's a real estate agent or it's a team, they're able to go to their specific farmed area geolocation and search for available leads and area in real time on demand. So that's kind of like the beginning of the journey in terms of how the professional who engage with the app. From there, we obviously um, take multiple steps to enrich the connections, even to the point and level where our internal concierge team through our video and audio conferencing technologies connect with the consumers in real time within four minutes or less and connect that consumer with the high scoring local agent that is currently engaged on the app. So we basically created a dual-sided market where we perfect the art of connecting the two sides of the market. And then obviously, like I said, I mean, the, the, the benefactor of it is both the consumer and the pros, we monetize with the pros.
1: So thinking of another application, you know, our consulting firm, we've got a couple of CEOs of, of home builders that are clients. Is there a way that a home builder could use this to find potential new buyers in, in a similar manner or not so much?
0: So essentially a home builder would be treated as a seller in our marketplace, right? And whether they have either a partnership with a Zillow or with, with, with realtor.com, whether or not, right. They can essentially go to set schedule, set value.com, and they can submit a form inquiry, which at that point, and pretty instantly for our technology, they'll be connected with our concierge services. And if they're talking to the concierge services of set schedule, they're able to talk to multiple highest scoring agents in the area. So... Our focus, our core focus is to connect that builder with multiple real estate agents. But the difference, the key differentiating factor is that we're not a brokerage. So we're not going to go and introduce them to a frustrating process of redundancies and going through the average Joe agent sales pitch. But rather, we will, through our technology, through our concierge team, and through our, obviously, all of our digital tools, we will, we will, we will, introduce the builder to to relevant professionals that have the inventory of buyers. And that's the most fundamental base level. We're looking into exploring advanced solutions. Um, We call it the wholesale introduction concept, where we're actually going to build an inventory of buyers to that specific builder. But essentially, the builder at the end of the day is a form of a seller. And so what does that transaction look like? What does the home builder pay for that? The home builder pays nothing. The home builder pays nothing. The seller pays nothing. The buyer pays nothing. The renter pays nothing. Whether they go to Zillow, whether they go to homes.com, whether they go to Facebook, or whether they go to RealtyTrack.com, they basically submit their inquiry to connect with real estate agents, or I mean, basically, ultimately, the other side of their market, meaning sellers looking to connect with buyer, buyer looking to connect with a seller. We facilitate the introductions and the professional assignments to it. So we will bring the real estate agents through our mobile application, and they will connect and, and, and bring the buyers or the sellers. But ultimately, the, the the sellers, the buyers, and the renters are not paying anything the service. All they need to do is just use the, the product. And then what about if the home builder has agents on
1: staff? If they have real estate agents on staff, would, would those become potential clients for you?
0: So yes, absolutely. So the real estate agents, as the pros, are going to download the apps from the Apple store or the Android market. And they're basically going to build their—they're going to build their profile. They're going to start using the app, and the system is going to identify them. We have some machine learnings and artificial intelligence codes around the referral radar. And I know that many people use it as a buzzword now, but we actually obsess over creating automation through machine learning. This system will identify the agent as a as a relevant, engaged agent of specific area for specific types of sellers or buyers, and ultimately when we get the for a lack of better term the leads meaning whether it's a a buyer whether it's a seller whether it's a renter even we're looking at the property management partnership as well but whether it's a renter that comes in through 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 our ecosystem of partners if they come into the platform these agents the builders agents are going to have actually a first shot connecting with those with these with these buyers or or renters and they can essentially do it 24 7 from the app looking at whatever blips they see inside the referral radar.
1: And is it, is it like a do they buy per lead or what is, what's the, what are they, the agents, what are they
0: paying for that? So the cost basis is pretty simplistic. We, again, kind of like set our side and being the most economical and lowest barrier to enter platform, which good or bad, sometimes we pay the dues for that. Right. I mean, some, some appreciate the benefits from others, but ultimately, when you download the application, it's completely free from your map. When you go to the referral rate, are you able to scan your areas and farm your areas completely free? You're able to see what, in simple terms, you have available in terms of buyers, sellers, and renters in real time. Inside a referral radar. you essentially become part of the agent referral network of set schedule. You agree to 20% referral fee agreement because you're part of the agent referral network. And by virtue of you agreeing to the 20% referral fee and being part of the network and using the app, which is available on a desktop also, you essentially can scan and look for the opportunities. If you see a lead that you want from a buyer or seller, if your preferred source or whatnot, you are able to consume it based on dynamic pricing. The dynamic pricing again is another function of our machine learning based on current value and aging of the leads or the speed to verify it or whether they're verified or whether they're prior, lead, prior verified leads. Uh, you will pay the running balance usually is in the average of about 11 dollars per lead which is laughable you know to an extent from a cost basis and the idea is that we it ultra economical to any real estate agent or a team to consume a lead and ultimately pay when they have an upside where they close a the transaction when they sold a the property to sold a deal for the for the builder that's where 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 opposite comes in. Obviously, that's kind of like what we call the starter relationship. There are some preferred partnership opportunities for agents where they were able to get preferred licenses to consume without limitations, if you will. And that's that's the premier or the preferred partnership relationship that we have. Very cool. So,
1: going, diving a little into your history for a minute. You know, on the show, we've had a number of former IDF folks. And so, in fact, the guy day before yesterday, (laughs) another former IDF guy, can you talk about your time there?
0: There was long. <laughs> okay. No, the time in the, the time in the IDF actually kind of like well defines who I am because it's kind of like the foundations for everything I do in business, for better or for worse. I spent close to five years in the Israeli IDF. First, I was in the Israeli Navy SEALs and went through the SEALs training. I became an officer with a specialty in counterintelligence. So I was an intelligence officer. And, and 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 I went through basically the second the second intifada the second the second war in the West Bank and Gaza Strip. I spent most of my service in an enemy territory. Been through been through a lot, but through the training and through obviously the experience in the IDF and the offices Academy, I've learned two big major things that lead me to today. Number one is leadership and how to command and lead you know individuals, whether it's business or war. And the second thing is the relentless aspect of never giving up, even though we all have a lot of wants. I mean, we want to do this and we want to do that, but ultimately, there's a certain percentage of individuals that just don't follow through the wants. We just don't do it that way. We, you know, that's kind of like a mindset that I've developed with the military. So that's that's my idea background. that. Front. What's the name of that unit? The unit in Israel that equivalent to the Seals of Challenge goes. So it's, I don't remember the translation in English on the 13, but, but it's, it's identical unit to the, CL. is it, is it basically, is it say, 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 no. say, 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 no. is the equivalent of Delta Force. So no,
1: I, I was going to say, say at 13, am I saying that wrong?
0: Shea 13. 13.
1: Is that, she- 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 is that yeah. the group you were in? Yeah. Okay. Because we've had some, you know, we've had some. You know, SEAL Team 6, DevGrew Dev guys on the show and and officers from U.S. SEALs. They were a client, consulting client in the past. And they have a ton of respect. Like, I'm sure you know that. But if everyone else doesn't, like, you know, we just had a guy on, Steve Wozotsky, right? Who, he was an 06 in the SEALs and then went out and was the head of security for JP Morgan and just retired. Great interview. But like, personally, one-on-one, he talked about things that he was trying to learn from you guys and and had a huge amount of respect
0: for for what you guys have done. So thank you. I'm sure you already knew that for,
1: for everybody else. <laughs> I don't know. And
0: I've heard. Confused. I've heard. With some people that said that it was easier in Israel, and I kind of like respectfully disagree. So,
1: <laughs> well, he he didn't feel feel like it. He thought the Americans had a lot to learn from you guys. <laughs> so you know, I'm interested. We we've had a number of guys from Delta and you know Rangers, SF. We have British SAS guys on the show. It is interesting to me how many folks from special operations backgrounds get into entrepreneurship. I think it's just like you know, they, they like the adventure. I'm interested in your view, but mine is they like the adventure. They like making their own decisions. They're not scared of the unknown. They're not scared of sales. They've, they've got the guts to do it. And, and they kind of have that like adapt and overcome mindset. They're not paint by numbers kind of people. That's, that's my guess. Why do you think so many folks from
0: the special operations backgrounds become entrepreneurs? Well, I mean, I think it's pretty simple and I can probably talk your ear off till like tomorrow night. Right. But it's pretty simplistic. It boils down to a couple of basic factors, right? First off, and it's going to sound a little bit self-serving and, and and maybe pompous, but I don't don't intend it that way. But you know, obviously, to get accepted, you have to pass some cognitive analysis and some basic fundamental hereditary aspect that you cannot train, right? I mean, whatever you get from your parents, you should be thankful, and that's what you get. So you have a certain level of foundations to play with, and you should respect that. That's number one. Number two. When you get into the training, these trainings cultivate the mindset of everything is possible. As long as you're alive, everything is possible. And if you don't believe it, you will probably quit within 24 hours. I started my training with about 180 team members and we were, I think, 60 within three days. So it's, it's, you know, you ask yourself why there's so many people that are wanting, but they're not here now. I don't get that. So ultimately, the aspect of as long as you you believe in something and you want to do something why not do it you can so that's that's like i guess the the second com- component and i think the third and i actually went through this journey in the idf i've, I've served with some you know army units and i've seen that the mindset of kind of like the general population i mean ultimately they cultivate in the special forces a that every single person is its own his own her own operation so, I mean, every single person in, in SEAL, when they go to an operation, every single person can mess up the entire operation. Okay, I mean, this is not, you know, 200 soldiers go and just blitz, you know, an attack. You have a team of 15 or 20, and you train with a team of 15 and 20, and every single person can basically get it, can get everybody killed in a minute of a second. So every single person is trained, educated, and really, for are of a better term, brainwashed with the fact that you are your own business, you are your own independent unit. If you don't think that way, you can screw the entire team over. And 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 that's that's kind of like the third component, married with teamwork. I mean, meaning that cherish the fact that you have a squad, that you have a team, and 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 how to leverage the power of a team, but still be a leader in your own right because you have your own specialty, you have your own responsibility, you can mess the entire team up. So that's these are the key points. What, what was what was one of your specialties? What did you focus on? Well, we we, we were on the water demolition team, so we were like diverse. <laughs> but again, my, my specialty ultimately was was actually intelligence. So I went to a counterintelligence school and 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 worked with the you know the equivalent of, of all of the you know intelligence, I mean the civilian intelligence organization like the equivalent to CIA, Mossad, you know, Shabak, but ultimately intelligence was my core focus and studying the operation and prepping the operation was the primary focus. I mean, in a later year as an officer, that was my primary focus.
1: You know, it's such a fascinating world to me. Again, I, I count myself lucky. I've been able to teach some leadership courses for American intelligence agencies, DIA, CIA, other folks, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's something about that world that is interesting to me of the way the movies per- portray it versus actually getting to spend time and become friends with those people. And like, I don't know, I, I, I'm not surprised that you would be successful in business with that background, because I feel like at least my experience is people with, with that background, they get so good at learning what matters to others and really reading people and understanding who somebody is at the core because like selfishness does not work if you're trying to recruit a source. A source could care less what you want, right? Anyway, do you have any thoughts about that?
0: Well, if you want to be selfish, go be a pilot. That's my my standing <laughs> joke.
1: <laughs>
0: but, but no, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, that's it's exactly what we stand for. And it's kind of like the mindset that we have, we have here. I mean, in, in business development training, when I speak to the guys here, I say the same thing. I mean, it's, we work as a group and, and we also work autonomously.
1: But no, I agree with everything you said. Can you think of any, what's another one of the principles from, from your time in, in, I'm going to see if I can say it right. Shayetet 13? Yeah, perfect. Shayetet,
0: How do you pronounce it correctly? Shayetet, which is basically, she-tet. shoot, I don't remember the word in English. I'm not frittata? No, no, frittata. Anyways, the word in English escapes me, but yeah, Shayetet 13.
1: Okay, what's another what's another principle? What's another lesson from your time in there that served you well as an
0: entrepreneur? Well, it all boils down to 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 the grind and to bootstrapping. So, obviously, I spend my early years of my life in the military and not in Silicon Valley. I am competing against people that spend their time in Silicon Valley and not in the military, and they come with these lovely stories of oh, I went through the you know being a bootstrapper and working hard. And it took me almost a year to raise $10 million in a valuation of $100 million because the VCs just didn't remember me, quite frankly, from my days at Microsoft. And I said to myself, I've never been to Microsoft. I've never worked at Microsoft. And I've never had the exposure to to, to, to you know to, uh, VCs, nor, nor, nor do they or can they really articulate and understand my background. I mean, they may be interested in the movies, movies that by the way I cannot watch because I think they're completely fake and they're really not based on factual state, you know data, all of the steel movies or whatnot. But the, the the truth of the matter is that I I have to grind. So for us, we it's kind of funny. My partner actually was in the army. The Israeli IDF was in the army in Gilani, and Udi, that's his name, and we always kid around about the fact that we feel like we are in boot camp every day, every day. You know, it's like another boot camp day, another boot camp month, and you know, and 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 we don't get this break of oh, shit, you guys are in Silicon Valley darling child. Here's a hundred million dollar check, right? And we see a lot. A lot of apparel is to get to export stuff that we built a year ago. But, you know, so th- what, what I've learned, I guess, to get to the point is that it's really that never the never give up. And it's kind of funny. I Never give up and, and keep pushing forward because you'll get to the results long enough if you have a strong plan with great aerial map, right? And you know exactly. I mean, you've, you've built the map and you know where you're going with this. You will get to it. The second thing is that I've learned from training, which I think is pretty valuable, is the comfort level with uncertainty. If you are uncomfortable with uncertainty, you're not going to be comfortable in a startup environment, and you're not going to be comfortable with what your clients are saying to you, because guess what? Your client never had that product before you created it, so you have to be able to live with the uncertainty, and that's definitely something you you train very well in sales to be comfortable with uncertainty because for a period of a year and a half, you don't know what you're going to do the next minute, which can very well be a 20 miles run (laughs) or an 80 mile march. So, so that's another thing that we learned. And yeah, that's, that's, that's the primary focus. Sure. Well, I've got some more
1: questions on that subject, but before I get to those, let's talk about your finance background. You had some pretty, you had some pretty great success in the, in the finance world. Can you talk about that? Well,
0: yes, I have. I've got into, I mean, when I got from Israel, I went to LA and actually I had a good success and tremendous amount of failures and I had to live with those failures and I'm perfectly not proud, but I learned to respect those failures and learn from those failures, which I obviously married to my background of never giving up and the, the training that I've had in the past. But ultimately I got into the insurance world and we built a company at age 27. My first partner is as, as an entrepreneur really. And I built a company that made multiple millions of dollars in the first two years of being in a business of life insurance, life settlements, premium finance. And, 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 and then we ventured out into annuities and other investment products. We've done well, the company's done very well for, for a couple of years before the age of 30, I think we made like $6 million or so in, 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 in net. Uh, profits. But ultimately, the interesting thing is that I slowly but surely digress into real estate investment and build a real estate fund while losing sight over the management that we hired and the partners that stayed in a company. And uh, ultimately, the long and short of it is that that company actually crushed and I had to bankrupt. I had to bankrupt that company. And luckily enough, I really fell in love with real estate and developed real estate as my next evolution of my entrepreneurship experience. But ultimately, it was a good, it's kind of like a good bad story in terms of the evolution of uh, the finance world.
1: Now, you think about, I don't know, you, you think about how common failure is in entrepreneurship and how places like Silicon Valley, they like to they like to wear their failures on the sleeve and and claim that they that they embrace failure and stuff but the finance industry i don't find nearly so forgiving you know like it's like it's like we're in japan and like you've brought shame on all your family for generations to come by not You know, if you if you failed. So I'm interested in some of these ideas of of how you choose to, you know, embrace the learnings, but not like not kind of like given to shame about having failed in a finance business
0: when industry is less accepting of failure. That's a very good, very good question. I think that the starting point has to be that you like what you see in the mirror. In other words, you really have to look at yourself and say, I'm OK. I mean, I'm 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 doing the right thing. And if I have made mistakes, I'll man up while moving up to them. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll own up my mistakes. And I think that ultimately and that's where I'm going to marry it with 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 the line that actually my partner says consistently is that the ones that can read between the line and actually can stand next to you and look at the same mirror will be your future partners and be accepting and will adapt and change with you and grow with you. The ones that don't, I mean, you live in an entire, like we live in an entire, you know, .com environment, which every gossip or every old news can define who you are. But ultimately, if you're doing the right thing and you have enough people standing next to you, looking at the mirror, believing that the person there is the person that is doing well and is able to adapt, change and get better, then, you know, then then all's going to be fine and you'll be able to prevail over the long term.
1: Yeah, That's great. So I'm interested, you know. Israeli Navy Seals, millions of dollars in the finance world, your own real estate fund, the tech business. Talk to me about the mindset that you feel like has helped you as as really you've you've taken a technological approach and some technolog- technological innovation that other people hadn't done in your space. What's What's your mindset when you come to building a tech company when that wasn't necessarily your background?
0: That's a very good question. And it's an interesting one because ultimately I can attribute that to that evolution to my business partner who did the order that actually came from the tech space and his family is all tech and tech nerds. <laughs> but when I ultimately moved out from the real estate fund management and invested, bought, but cumulatively hundreds of properties at the poor, period of several months, right, actually years, in Dallas, Texas, and in California... At some point, we realized that, or well, I realized that I, I, I want to get into maybe an agency work, basically open some brokerages and recruit salespeople, recruit real estate agents. And, and I thought that that would be a good fit since, you know, we're already buying hundreds of properties. So what's the difference? Now we're going to hire salespeople, real estate agents to do that. And I connected with Udi because he was doing marketing at the time. He had a digital marketing platform. And literally did I know that actually his and his family's software was a software that I use to upload documentations to a mortgage loan process. So it was kind of funny conversation. We've known each other for about 15 years at that point. And we started to talk about the idea of let marketing, creating some some predictable marketing structures and tools to to the real estate agents that, that we're going to hire as brokers. But ultimately, he came up with a question that defines that schedule. And he said, Roy, I mean, you're such a such a shark i mean you're relentless and you and you, and you want to build now a sales force to do that as a broker and you know we we analyze everything here and you've never shy from investing or keep building something and, and making it scalable and he said why not marry it and blend it into a technology or a product that you can actually scale not as a brokerage but rather as a technology company because we really quickly identified that the biggest friction point to scale with any brokerage is the abilities to create consistent flow of business for the downline agents and producers. And many, many people in the space now are trying to be e-brokers or different kind of like glorified methods of of. of, of, of you know, scalable brokerages, but at the end of the day, the friction point is the scalability of the agent. And we decided that it would make more sense to build the technology and the software and the tools and the mobile applications around this problem. And that's what we came up with a concept of set schedule, creating more predictable timeline around business development, which was the core first product that we rolled out. You know, I think
1: the question is somewhat selfish on my part, because in some ways we have a little bit of some similarities in background of, you know, I, I was... I was the sales guy, you know, like I became a millionaire by the time I was 25, lost it all, made it made it back again. You know, like I became a millionaire two different times in my twenties, lost it all, you know, hence the reason I'm buying commercial real estate this next time, so I can keep it, right? But uh, it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep, but, but, you know, and like, I'm good at recruiting salespeople. I'm good at recruiting customers. My brain goes to that, you know, and when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? This kind of stuff. And investing, like if you land, if you land really large investors, that is scale because one relationship brings you millions of dollars. Right. And yet the longer, you know, I love Utah because you get armpit deep powder without the negative 30 of Canada. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I loved my time living by you. You know, I lived in Huntington beach for years and then San Clemente. And and I love being able to get up and go to go surfing before, before work. But but what's been interesting here is a little bit of the osmosis. I mean, outside of California, Utah has the most amount of startup companies that have gone zero to a billion per capita in the country, second only to California. Mm-hmm. And on the show, I keep having, you know, this guy sold his company to Adobe for $1.8 billion. You know, this guy just got money from PayPal, and they got a $1.6 billion valuation. I keep, you know, like, I hang around these people, and I realize, like, I have been intimidated by tech and spending a million dollars to start an app and stuff like that. When I'm like, I don't really feel familiar with the process. I can't promise investors how it's going to go. I don't have a, I, I don't necessarily have a background in, in scaling up the kind of business that recruits users online. And so I've, I've shied away from it my whole career. Right. And yet over and over, I just have so many friends now who have been successful with it. It finally has worn on me going like, you know, I don't need to have this like intimidation of tech. I just need to treat it as the next sport to learn. And, and yet I, you know, I'm a little hesitant. I'm not jumping in with, with both feet. Right. I'm we're, we're working towards it. So I'm interested of people like me who they see the scalability they've, you know, historically been more intimidated by it, but are working their way into it. any advice for folks like me on our journey to, to just embrace the scale of tech more.
0: Yes. <laughs> read the book or listen to the audiobook book how to build a billion dollar app so so it's the, the writer is george the name escapes me but you can google it It's obviously an Audible. It's a great, great book that breaks down the segmentation of zero to a million, a million to 10, 10 to 100, and 100 to a billion. And he does it very, very well in terms of of simplicity. I mean, he zooms in into the point of view of an entrepreneur of what do I do in the first two weeks? including do I hire the engineer? Do I outsource it to the agency or to an agency? And, and the big no-nos, which one of them is don't outsource it to an agency, find a co-founder that can help you code in the beginning. So that's like one of his very good ideas. And I actually live by, without even realizing that I live by, it, because I just listened to it about a month ago, but I live by what he said there. And I think any guy that wants to start the tech startup, I should listen to that audio because it really walks you through that process. So is it
1: is it George Burkowski? Does that yes. sound right?
0: Yes, that's the one. Okay. Uh,
1: okay, I just clicked buy on Audible. I just bought it. Okay, so I'll email you. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how, how it goes when you give me some more advice. Well, let, let's talk about this. Because, I mean, last I checked, you guys had like over 25,000 of these professionals on the platform, is that right? Or what, yes. what are you up to now?
0: Yeah, so we are we are averaging, like I said, the app was rolled out around April, 2018. We are actually coming up with a brand new app in four months from now. It's going to disrupt the industry and the real estate industry and the computing industry. That's all I can say right now, but we are trending at a point where we get 800 agents to 1,000 agents per month from organic downloads. And yeah, that's, that's where we are now. You know, it's interesting because, you know, if you're a social media
1: app or you're something like that, people are talking about users with extra zeros on that, right? Because it's so low value to the company per user. With you guys getting professional where, you know, it's such high value per user, you know, think about brokerages. A big, a big, big real estate brokerage has tens of brokers, maybe over a hundred or something, right? So when you think about when you think about having twenty five thousand high quality professionals like this, what do you attribute? What do you attribute your success both to getting them on in the first place and retain, and then second retaining them?
0: So that's an awesome question. This is a really good question, and I want to recalibrate the question because I think okay. you're going to know after you listen to how to, to build a billion dollar app. Right, you you will you will you will get to that chapter rate right where, where George says there, you know, you have to identify a demographic. I mean, the extra zeros you're talking about are consumer social apps or consumer gaming yeah, apps. Yeah. They are not SaaS enterprise solutions or or you know basically SMB yeah. products. We are an SMB products. We our smallest client is right? a solopreneur, right? A smaller client is is valued to us at a couple of thousands of dollars, and you know the top performing clients can make ten thousands of dollars. In, in, in annual revenues of the firm, and obviously they 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 benefit from that five x, if not more. So what? to attribute the success, and and we do see it as an overall success, is the fact that we're addressing the biggest pain point. I mean, we pay for it sometimes, and we get sometimes, which is great to be judged, right? And you want to always get better, but sometimes we get judged based on that as well, is we solve the biggest, most intimate problem, which is professional agents connecting with consumers. So the ability to connect with minimal rejection is something that real estate agents are struggling with, because, I mean, it's not just agent, it sells 101. I mean, every salesperson hears nine nos before they hear the 10th yes. We through that platform and through the referral radar, which, again, is the core product of the current app. The referral radar aggregates so many raw leads. I call it raw leads because they came instantly from, like, say, Zillow into the app. But we turn them into standard leads. From there we go and we turn it into verified lead, which is system automatic verified leads, whether it's through our nurturing Smart bots or through other systems. And then it goes all the way to connection where we actually have concierge does a connection with said Hello, which the Set Hello is no different than the Zoom here. said Hello is a video audio conference that enables an instant connection from a consumer that says, Yes, I want to talk now. I'm available now. I know. Let's talk tomorrow at nine o'clock. And we facilitate all of it all the way to connecting with the highest local, most engaged agent in South Alabama on a Monday. So the point is that that's the reason that we reach a success because we're getting involved on a very intimate level on the biggest problem that a salesperson has. And and tell me that, again, did you say it's said
1: hello video capture? Yeah, so
0: said hello is our product that we built that it's the video and audio conferencing pick. and said hello, basically, you can obviously, you know, no different than zoom, you can turn on video audio, but it's fully integrated inside our virtual bot systems that are basically NLPs based bots that have full cadence conversations with consumers. And when they get to the point that the consumer is interested in talking to an agent, that that bot connects concierge and connects the pros via video and audio conferencing tool. And by the way, the pros that are invited are usually the highest scoring, most engaged agents that are operating the best with the online leads marketplace and the tools.
1: So I remember the first time that I worked with a bot that I actually liked the conversation and it really like opened my eyes of what's what's possible, right? Mm-hmm. For people not familiar with a NLP chat bot, can, can you give people a little background?
0: Sure. So essentially we are spending numerous amount of hours a day and a week, monthly, we have an entire team that focuses in basically... Capturing live conversations and every friction point or every yes or no, and maybe or tomorrow, any psychological like statement. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, everything we say is pretty predictable. You know, we're able to create a code around and say, if one, two, three, four is said, then that's the action we're going to take. So, we're creating basically no different than I'm not going to say the words. I mean, because if I'm too loud, she's going to jump here in the back with Alexa, or no different than the, the series of the world. I mean, you, you basically get language statement in, you record it, and you study from it, right? And then you react. So in our space, our primary focus is to see if a seller or if a buyer is ready to get on a buy show or a road show with, with you know, for like a better term, with an agent. And if they are, then we execute a connection offer and, 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 and concierge, and we... We like to say when tech fails, people join. So we have the, the concierge team to complement the the autonomous, said hello. We call it a Jessica, which is the virtual smart bot. Jessica and a said hello connection to the agent. We have concierge right on the top, meant facilitating the, the relationship. So I just quickly Googled like the top five chatbot
1: platform, you know, NLP chatbot platforms out here. Do you like any of the commercial ones or did you guys build yours from scratch or what do you recommend there?
0: So we build our own. From, I mean, all of our products from scratch. I mean, we we kind of like like it like a Michelin star restaurant where we build everything from scratch, right? So our bot is actually was built based on the precise needs of the industry and how we connect a, a home seller. A home buyer or a renter and then the kind of like key phrases that are relevant to the real estate space we build it from scratch for two reasons number one is we want to perfect the artist connection which we're doing very well somewhere between 35% to even close to 40% of our leads marketplace or our marketplace leads are Are becoming connections but the second thing is we wanted to perfect the art because one of the key visions that we have in in recent months or in the the near future i should say is to roll it out as a self-adapting fully customizable product for the smbs in the space of real estate so real estate agents even mortgage brokers and real estate brokers and allow them to create their own cadences for the flow and we've learned that there is a lot of those 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 chatbots that you buy online. It's kind of like almost like buying a frozen burger. <laughs> so there's a big difference. I mean, they don't adapt. They don't have an LP dialog flow component to it where they know what the client is actually trying to say. And OK, well, I got to say something. I got someone to say, yes, what do I do now? Where does it go? So all of this flow is actually fully calibrated to our connect environment. Yeah.
1: Well, tell me this, for other people who they're interested in scale, maybe they want to do something different than their competitors in the industry and embrace tech a bit more. You know, looking at, you know, 100 strategic partners, over a million home shoppers with your system, what kind of of challenges didn't you anticipate? Or what, what have been some of the big obstacles getting
0: to this size? Clients' expectations would be the first one. And I want to set the record straight. I mean, we obsess over creating the best environment for our clients and our prospect, and we constantly want to put product out there to make people happy. But if you listen to all of the audiobooks, I mean have to build a billion dollar app and the lean startup. I mean, at the end of the day, sometimes you have to put product that your clients need, not what they want. And sometimes it will cost you in verbalization of dissatisfaction. So in the beginning year, when we've established that schedule, we thought that scheduling an appointment is the most is would be the most important thing because everybody articulated to us. We need to the listing appointments, the listing appointment. And realize that the listing appointment is actually not the holy grail. It's not the holy grail for many reasons, including the fact that you don't have con- control over consumer modes. But you can improve the journey if you actually recalibrate your technology and you create different types of connections. So, for example, the connections we're facilitating now for the concierge team, for set hello, through this Jessica button, through the you know, the positive engagement from the consumers and in real time bringing the agents and not only bringing the agents, but bringing the best scoring agents, that in itself created a much more positive engagement, both of the consumers and the pros. I mean, they both are, you know, attempt to leave the calls very satisfied, right? And we realized that that's where we missed the gap. So the, the, the place we miscalculated was thinking that, you know, we need to do what the client's saying that they want, but not realizing that we don't, we're not addressing actually what the client needs. And that's what we constantly adapted any any
1: principles for that to like you know when when you can go two different directions and you've got to make a decision what do you what do you use as your guide when the decision isn't obvious what would move
0: the needle more you have to ask yourself what would tip the needle what would move the needle more and i actually i'm stealing it from one of our product guides because every time we go over the laundry list and we're kind of like kids in a toy store right i mean we want to build this we want to build this we want to build this you know, there's this new fab now clubhouse, you know, the audio chat app, and we're like, oh, we, we should incorporate in some way, shape, or form into the set schedule app for for the, for, our, for our pros. And, you know, but at the end of the day, you ask yourself, is it going to move the needle? Is it going to affect what the clients need tomorrow better than, you know, how you handle it today? So if the answer is from one to five, three, you probably can defer it for a month out or two months out, and you will focus in what you can score five and say, this moves the needle of five out of five. Yeah, that's great. Well, what's one of the things that I
1: haven't asked about that you that that I should have? Where do you see yourself next?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's talk let's talk about that. So, yeah, where do you see yourself going next? So, I think that our primary focus now is actually expansion to verticals. I call them the brother and sisters of the real estate agent, so you know, there's the nucleus of the real estate transaction and around it you have obviously the core, which is real estate agents and teams that are getting the deal. But then around it, you have the title officer, the mortgage broker, the interior designer, the property inspector, the property, you know, the property, the home inspector, the, the, the appraiser, and more contractors, movers, et cetera. So we are actually rolling out multiple solutions to address all of them inside one app with the agents. And that's gonna be pretty exciting. And the focus is to take this 25,000 and turn it into a million through the brother and sister industry environment. to basically through the referral radar as a starting point, the CRM is an extension of it all the way to networking and communications. We're gonna facilitate the entire flow of the transactions in a collaborative and a networking like mindset. And that's kind of like the vision. So really, 10x, if you will, plus you know the user base for, for the new app. And from there, we're really going to focus in in rolling out the 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 nurturing systems, which revolve around the Jessica, but the set Hello Virtual and Video Audio conferencing, and then. The dashboarding system and a software that actually connects the concierge. Hopefully, we'll move it out and it will become the omni platform for DSMBs to be able to nurture, you know, their own businesses and doing doing it better than you know than a frozen burger, but rather really fully customizable omni nurturing system that anyone is looking to improve their sales fun skills and the ability to connect. Specific customer, whichever customer they have, to their sales staff. We're going to do it in the most efficient way, and that's going to be the Omni platform that we're going to roll out. So that's our primary focus. That's exciting. You know,
1: my listeners know this because I bring it up all the time. But I got my first sales job like 25 years ago as like a 15 year old kid. I feel like I've been a salesman ever since. Even when I'm like, you know, right now I'm a chairman of a commercial real estate fund. I just feel like I'm top salesman, right? Right. And I think about I've owned two separate sales training companies. I've you know worked with the the leader of the top sales team for Microsoft for the whole world. You know, like we train multi you know we train billion dollar investment funds how to get their salespeople to sell. Blah blah. And when I listen to you talk, I think, man, if you could lower the pain on being a salesperson, like no wonder there's a market for that, right? Like, I don't know. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. I have this theory that, like, in business, anything we can do to increase the survivability of others is a magnet. And so, you know, dealing with fear, dealing with uncertainty, dealing with reliability, things like this, if we will do that on behalf of the client, it becomes magnetic. So you think about the fear of the fear of rejection or the fear of unknown, uh, will this person say yes or no? Like if you can reduce that, a lot
0: of people would pay for that. Do you see it differently? Absolutely. No, we see it the same way. Absolutely. And that's the foundation of set schedule, right? It's, it's everything around business development, but more specifically, you know, I mean, think about it. Why would people spend so much time of their life expectancies futzing around on social media? I mean, it's 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 this dopamine, right, that, that, that drives you to see what others are saying. And we thought about it and we said, you know, what if we can allow you for your business, not for your personal life or your social leisure, right? I mean, for your business, if you're allowed to press enter and then just sit down and look at the screen that says client Joe is ready to talk to you. Hey, yes, let's talk tomorrow at five. Hey, I'm very interested. Do you have anything available to do this and this and this and this? And it's all done basically as an inbound to you. We know that, you know, obviously that that there'll be a great reception for that and is proven by obviously our download speed and it will be very beneficial and, and, and we know that people would be, you know, borderline addicted to it if it's the proper way to say it right but and that's kind of like the mindset of our nurturing systems, our connect systems, our, our you know, our, our virtual bot connection systems that hello connections and all of that. And it's funny because we're seeing and, you know, we're, we're painfully honest in the company. I mean, we're seeing clients that seven months ago tarnished us in bad reviews. And, and hated us. I mean, hated our guts. And they they wrote things about, I mean, quite honestly, borderline defamation and slander. And a month ago, they became top scoring agents. They're getting like, they're just delighted. And the key difference between the two is that we're able to automate the inbounds. It's it's that the, eliminated the the, the 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 friction point of rejection and drive into basically to pick up the phone, eat, you know, jump now. You're ready to press one because Joe Schmo is ready to... To talk to you i mean they're not ready to buy they may not buy but they want to talk to you so that gamification is something that every salesperson dreams about and that's 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 where, got, where our focus is going to be in the next foreseeable future
1: well and, and it's interesting to think about i don't know we, we look at it and you go okay there's what is it 17 trillion dollars worth of real estate in this just in the u.s right mm-hmm. and there are so many value intersections there like where you talk about expanding to the mortgage, the title, the like all these other people involved. Like if you can start solving that for multiple folks in that chain of what needs to happen with a real estate transaction, like no wonder it's a big magnet. I, I'm excited. It seems exciting. Seems like an
0: exciting business to run. It is. Thank you. It is. It is. And it, it's funny because we get constant requests to, Expand to Canada. We actually have Canadian users that were kind of like, you know, the. I mean, the referral rate on and the agent referral network is not applicable there because we don't have all of the licensing aspect of the Canadian market. But from an app and from whatever we're going to expand in the near future, I mean, there'll be a there, there'll be a lot of relevancy for Canada as well. So the expansion is also geographical, but yeah, it's it, it's something that we build very agnostically and holistically for mortgage brokers and for other basically sales hunters out there. So I'm I'm interested in
1: your opinion when when you know, let's say, you know, there's a CEO or there's some person, you know, innovator inside a big company who's tasked with doing something new and interesting, they're creating some sort of digital aspect to what they're doing. And there's this, there's this time where it's like, it seems like investors, you know, it seems like clients are asking for this, but is that because they don't know this is possible? And you're like, you're trying to make that decision on on what to do next. And you've, you've brought up your point of the, you know, what's going to move the needle the most, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess my question for you is when it's not obvious, what's going to move the needle the most, the most what does your testing look like? What do you, how, how do you like do experiments where you're not making a giant bet, or you're just doing a, a little bet on those experiments to see, oh yeah, no, this really is the feature we should build.
0: Well, it's a little bit difficult because, you know, uh, I'm a big believer that you have to, and then it's in all the books, right? And especially the one that I that I that I mentioned, because in in to build a billion dollar app, they also talk about ways, they talk about different good apps and what made them great apps. And what made them great apps is that usually the founders or, or or the employees, the team, knew the problem. They they failed the problem. They wanted to fix the problem and they were borderline users of that problem. Meaning, I came from the world of sales and I understand. Mining, and I understand rejection, and I understand predictability over connections and follow up and scheduling, you know, your day and managing CRMs and salespeople with CRM, which is like oil and water. So you know, it's it's uh, all of that led to a problem that you, have, you wanted to solve. I think that ultimately, if you are not certain of the problem, you probably don't want to get into it too hard. <laughs> you want to be careful. So, but but again, but, but let's assume you know the problem and you're not certain what's going to move the move the needle in terms of feature or, a, or, a, or a, a solution inside the product, then you should talk to your clients. Then you should talk to your users, bring them in, bring them to the office, forget about the focus group. You don't need to spend an absorbed amount of fees on, on, on focus groups or whatnot, right? Bring the client and have a kind of conversation about what they would want to see inside the system. And I think you'll find a lot by talking to your clients.
1: So my next question is, you know, when you ask clients, hey, if we did this, would you buy it? And then they say yes, and then you build it, and then they don't buy it. How do you deal with that
0: problem? <laughs> well, I, 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 I think I answered it before, right? It's don't concern yourself too much with what the clients are saying. Try to listen to what they're not saying. When an agent says, are your leads good? They're not asking you if your leads and the names and the phone numbers are really good. You're just asking what would be the level of rejection that I'll get or how many phone calls do I need to make in order to nurture that opportunity? What do you mean the leads are good? I mean, the leads are good from Zillow, the leads are good from Realtor.com. I mean, there's a billion-dollar publicly traded company. What's wrong with them, right? But here's the thing. The moment they hit the sets, get a referral rate, or in some instances, we assume the responsibility for it. So I know that the leads are good okay because they're a piece of data and they're provided to you okay but if you are looking for less rejection if you're looking for more if you're looking for easier quote unquote right then you probably need more nurturing solutions right and that's where we invest at the time i said we have to nurture we have to figure out a way to connect and, and so so Again, so so don't spend too much time addressing the things you hear your clients saying. Try to understand by creating enough group or given enough sample, try to understand what they're not telling you and what they really want or need, I should say. Oh, that's great.
1: Well, let's shift gears a bit. What's a, what's a piece of advice? If you could go back and give a younger version of yourself some advice. Some business advice. What would it be?
0: <laughs> okay, so I will. I will actually go back to the future on this one, and by back to the future, I mean history, corporately, anyways, because you know the young. I mean, young. Mice, what I'm going to tell my young self to do or not to do, and I'll actually pick the stuff that revolves around my failures, because you learn from your failures. Your wins are great, you know. Tell them to your moms; you'll be proud of you. But uh, the failures is what you want to focus on. And I'll say a couple of things. First off, don't find, don't force feed the co-founder. Don't force the co-founder scenario. Don't force the don't force the person that is wrong for your business. Okay. And 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 make sure that make sure that, you know, the person that you make your co-founder, the person you make your business partner is actually the person that, that you can corporately marry. That's the number one thing. And number two is don't rush into things. Don't don't buy into this this glorious stories that you watch or see on CNBC that may or may not be a reality for you right now. Just keep pushing and build your business for the better goods and the better goods of your clients and do it fully separate from what you see on the news, just let your company play its course. Don't give up your funders love don't hire your co founder that could be, you know, and dot 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 I mean, we said so we have to keep it rated PG for 13. You know, and don't uh, think that if you can figure cannot figure it out, you can hire from the outside to figure it out. Those were the biggest mistakes that I've made in my life that actually caused my failures. And that's that's my advice to my young self.
1: Okay. So Roy, if people like what you've said, they want to check you out, where's the best places to find out more about the business and connect with you?
0: Well, it's pretty easy. If you're interested as a consumer to talk to real estate agents and, and possibly explore selling, buying, or, or renting real estate, just put setvalue.com and you'll get straight to our consumer goods products, the consumer product, I should say. But set schedule. Setschedule.com is the company that's the corporate brand. That's the that's the entity that makes the greatest products out there in the real estate space. I love it.
1: Well, thanks for making time for this and congrats on all the success. Appreciate it. It was awesome.